I, um, I just want to thank Nico for setting the example um, in, in starting off in English. So, um, but yes, it's, uh, it's joyful to be here. It's joyful to be in the presence of the Lord. And, and um, I wonder if we sometimes realize what we're singing. And, and if, we, if we are aware of every word that comes out of our mouths when we praise our Father. And what is so amazing to me is that the, um, this, the last song that we've just sung is, um, ties in with, with the message for this morning. And the message for this morning, as you can see there on the board, is the heart of God. And I really want to talk to you about the heart of God because if you look at our theme for this year... It is next level, and it's something that Abba Father shared with me last year during um, the Feast of Trumpets, so Yom Teruah. And it was interesting that during this Feast of Yom Teruah, Abba Father always tells me what He wants us to do for the, for the next year, and what the theme should be, and what we need to focus on, and what we should concentrate on. And, and some time ago, um, he, he gave us a theme for, I, I, I believe it's the theme for this congregation, but it shouldn't just be the theme for this congregation. It should be a theme that, that is, um, should be amongst every single congregation. And the theme was preparing the bride, because we are in a time frame where we need to be able to prepare the bride of Yeshua, to prepare the bride of Christ. And, and hence the reason why, why we've got that example just set up there with, um, with a wedding gown. And it's not about, as I've mentioned before, it's not about every one of us standing in front of Abba Father one day with a nice wedding gown on with a bunch of flowers in your hand. That's not what it means to be the bride of, of Christ. The bride of Christ mean, means what are you doing while we are here? How are you preparing to spend eternity with Abba Father? That is what it means to be the bride of Christ. It is just a similarity that is drawn between what it means to be a bride. And, and we've got a, a, a complete... Um, uh, misunderstanding of what it means to be a bride. Because we look at being a bride from a Western perspective and from the Western culture, and if we look at it from a Hebrew perspective, it, is, it means something completely different. It is how we, how we react. It is how we live our lives that is descriptive of what it means to be a bride of Christ. But in this, in this, in this um, focus area that we've got for this year in, in next level, and I've explained this to you before, that, that to us next level means to get to the heart of worship. And it's not only just the heart of worship, because I think we've, we've got a complete misunderstanding again of what worship is. We think if we've got bells and whistles and lights and, and all sorts of instruments and we make a large noise and, and, and we, and we um, get to the emotions of people, that's worship. That's not worship. That's attending a show. Worship is when it comes from my heart and I'm praising God and I'm honoring God. That is what worship is. And we, we've forgotten what it's all about. And we need to get to the heart of worship. But it's not just about the heart of worship. We will never understand the heart of worship if we don't understand the heart of God. And when we examined what it means to be or to get to the heart of worship, it was the how. How do we get there? What do we need to do to get to the, to the, word of, uh, to the, to the heart of worship? But our Father has challenged me to find out the what. What is His heart? What is the heart of worship? What is the heart of God? And that is what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning. 
I think we can spend the rest of the year just talking about the heart of God because it is just so amazing. But I'm going to try and in the few minutes that we've got available to us, I'm going to try and get to, to what the heart of God really is. And sometimes we confuse the will of God with the heart of God. And you can know somebody's will without knowing their heart. And we know the will of, of the government because they give their will to us in laws and what they want us to do and how they want us to, to, uh, to react, how they want us to function in this, in this country or in any other country. And we know what their will is, but we have no idea what their heart is. And sometimes it's the same with us. We know the will of God, but we don't know the heart of God. And it's important that we get to know our Father's heart. You see, to know our Father's will is to know His instructions, is to know His law, is to know His conditions for our blessings. But that is not knowing His heart. That is not how we know Him intimately, and we need to be in an intimate relationship with Him because that is what He requires from us. He wants to be in an intimate relationship with you. And we might be obedient to our Father's Word without having a relationship with Him or truly understanding His heart and what His heart is all about. And to know our Father's heart is to know His character and to know His desires, to know what He wants for us, because that is what our hearts are all about. And it's amazing if you go and you read 1 John 4 verse 8, it says, He that loves not knoweth not God. So if we don't have love in ourselves, we do not know God. And this is what it says, and we've just sung it in the song that we've, that we've raised our voices to God for, or in. And, and it says here, for God is love. It is a characteristic of God. It's not something that He feels. It's not something that He wants to do. It is who He is. It's the essence of who God is. And then in verse 16 it says, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and He that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in Him. See, this is a description of of the character and the essence of Abba Father, because He is love. And it is what we call, and in the Greek it is, it is written, agape love. And, and we, we, we translate this as unconditional love. And I've seen in some of the Greek translations, they say it's brotherly love. It's wrong, it's not brotherly love. Because agape love is an unconditional love, but it is more than unconditional love. It is unselfish love. And when you have unselfish love, there are two things that are added to that love, and it is called acceptance and recognition. And when we are accepted and we are recognized, it has to come with unselfishness. You see, it is when we connect conditions to accepting people that we've got a problem because that is not agape love. That is not the love of God. You see, He accepts us and He recognizes us with absolutely no condition involved in it. It is the same love that Abraham had for Isaac when he offered him up in obedience to Abba Father. And the word says, this son that he loved. And when Abba Father gave him a command and said, I want you to offer your son up to me, what did he do? He went and he did it. But God stopped him. That is what unconditional love is. It is the same love that Isaiah had for his wife Gomer. 
when he knew her terrible background, he knew where she came from, he knew that she, what she was involved in, yet he married her in, on the instruction of our father, and the word says, and he loved her. And he knew that she would continuously hurt him, but he loved her. See, that is unconditional or agape, unselfish love. It is the same love that Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah, had for you and I when he offered up his love or his life on a cross so that you and I can live. That is agape love. That is the love of God. That is the heart of God. A heart that is filled with a love that overcomes all obstacles, that forgives all transgressions, and that seeks relationship above all other things. And sometimes we're in a position where we are seeking all the other things and we're not seeking relationship with our Father. We were talking about the gifts and we were saying that we were going to start looking into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and we are so, so focused on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we want the gifts of the Holy Spirit without seeking the love in the heart of God first. That's why Matthew says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. But what do we do? We seek all the other things first and we forget about the heart of God and we forget about relationship with Abba Father. See, Abba Father has a seeking heart and this is the first thing that I want to tell you because He is a loving God. He is love and that is what His heart is all about. His love that He has towards us. But He also, He has a seeking heart. And what does this mean? When, when Abba, Adam and Eve were sinned and they were in the garden of Eden and, and they gave away their authority to Satan and they listened to Satan. They realized what they had done and they realized that they had turned their, their backs against Abba Father and then they were hiding from him and while they were hiding from him they tried to, 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 to get away from Abba Father and what is he doing? He was seeking their presence. And in Genesis 3 verse 9, we read this. It says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Adam, where are you? And it's not as though God didn't know where he was. He knew exactly what he was. But that was not what it was about. He was seeking their presence. And when Adam and Eve found themselves in the worst position possible, miserable, distressed, I think they were full of fear, but they were also full of shame, and they were full of guilt. What happened? Our Father reached out to them. He was seeking their presence. And even in their disobedience to our Father, where, listen, where the result of their disobedience should have been death. What does He do? He provides them with a resolution. And through this resolution, our Father provides the opportunity for restitution and the opportunity for reconciliation, and we call this atonement. And Abba Father creates a feast, and He calls it the Feast of Atonement, Yom Kippur, so that you and I can be reconciled with Him. And He always gives us that opportunity so that we can be in relationship with Him, so that He reaches out to us. He is seeking your heart this morning. Adam and Eve did not seek Him but he seeked after them. He was seeking their hearts. He was seeking their presence. We see a similar situation with the prophet Elijah. 
And, and Elijah was this mighty prophet that did all these great things. And one of the things that he did is he slayed 450 bull prophets at the Kishon Brook, the little stream of Kishon. He slays them with a sword. And when Jezebel hears about this, she says to him that you will die in the same manner. Tomorrow you will be dead. And here's this guy, Elijah. And he's, he's in absolute fear and in self-pity. And he hides under the tree in the wilderness. He flees and he goes into the wilderness and he hides under a tree. And, and what is strange about this whole thing is our Father gave him the ability to overcome 850 pagan priests and pagan prophets of which he killed 450 of them. Man alone. And Jezebel says to him, tomorrow you're going to die just as they did. He runs away and he hides away. See, he did not seek God first. He did not seek the one that is powerful, that has just given him this power to do these things that he, that he called him to do. But he lives in self-pity and he feels so sorry for himself. Oh, just listen what Jezebel just said to me. I'm going to hide under the tree or I'm going to hide in the wilderness and eventually goes into a, into a cave. And in 1 Kings 9, 19 verse 9 we read, And he came there unto the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, why are you in the wilderness? Elijah, why are you hiding away? Don't you know me? And it's a similar question that our father posed to Adam. Adam, where are you? What our father is saying to him, he says, Elijah, I am with you. I want to be with you. I want you to be in my presence. I want you to understand my heart, to know that I will never leave you nor forsake you, that I'm always with you. If I've given you a task to do, I will protect you. He's saying to Elijah, all you need to do is you need, just need to realize the desire of my heart to be in a relationship with you because I will protect you. And 1 Kings 19 is actually a fascinating scripture because it describes Father's heart as one of compassion and kindness and of gentleness. And, and, and we read this, and, and, and I've heard people quote this, but I don't think we understand the essence of what is being said to us. In 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 12, and, and, and our father is talking to him. He's telling Elijah what to do. And he says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains. Now, listen. To rent the mountains, it needed to be a serious wind. Because it's not one of these little breezes that we have that blows over trees. It, 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 it ripped the mountain apart. That's how strong this wind was. It says, and it break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. This was a serious wind. It says, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Well, if this wind wasn't strong enough to tear the mountain apart, then there's an earthquake that happens. I want you to imagine what is, being, what is happening here. I'm, I can just imagine Elijah's 
fearfulness and, and all of this happening around him. So, so he says, and after the wind, the earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And then it says, and after the fire, a still, small voice. Still, small voice. The voice of God speaking to Elijah. He wasn't screaming to him. He didn't come down in thunder, in a strong wind, in an earthquake. No, he came as a still, small voice. And if we read the Scripture, do we see in the Scripture that God is in the wind? Absolutely. We see that in Job and in Nahum. And it talks about, in Job and in Nahum, that God is in the whirlwind. And I, and I think it must be something similar to what Elijah saw here. And do we see Abba Father in the earthquake? Yes. Psalm 68. It says that the earth shook and the heavens dropped at His presence. And when we read about Exodus, when Moses was standing and the whole of Israel was standing at the mountain and God ascended onto the mountain what or descended onto the mountain, what happened? There was an earthquake. So God is in the earthquake. Do we see Him in the fire? Yes, we do. And Moses saw him in Exodus in the burning bush. And in Hebrews we are told that God is a consuming fire. And yes, he sometimes manifests in all of these things. You see, but when he is seeking you and I to be in relationship with him, he appears in the small, still voice. And he's speaking to us. And he's speaking to you and I through his Holy Spirit. And He's speaking to us when we get into a situation and the Spirit says to us, no, don't go there. I don't want you to do there or to do that. And we can listen to that small, still voice or we can ignore it and we can continue to do it. But guess what? We will carry the consequences of the decision that we make. We must listen and we must tune in to the small, still voice of Abba Father. And you know what? It's when we experience the small, still voice that we become joyful like the writer describes in Psalm 89, verse 15, and he says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. And you know what's interesting about this joyful sound? The word that is, that is used there in, in Hebrew is the word Yom Teruah. It's not Yom, it's just Teruah. The word it means that when we hear his small voice, his small still voice, there will be an abundance of joy that comes in us, into us and we will shout it out to the Lord. We sing a song that is called, we sing, shout to the Lord. And what do we do? Shout to the Lord, all the earth, when it's We're so scared to open our mouths. And shout to the Lord and praise Him and honor Him. Because that's what we were called for to do. And, and when we read this in Psalm 89, it says, this joyful sound, it is a shout to the Lord. It is a large noise. Because when you hear that still voice of Abba Father, you will not be able to contain the joy that is built up in your heart. And when Abba Father seeks us and we respond to His voice, we will rejoice in the joyful sound of His presence. And in, the, and in His presence, we will experience the fullness of His heart and what His heart is all about. 
And in the same way, our Father is seeking to have a relationship with each one of us because He says in Ephesians, Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 5, He says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ, because by grace you are saved. It is not something that we've earned. It's not something that we've earned. He's got this desire to be in a relationship with you and I. And in 1 John 4 verse 9 to 11, he says, In this way manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son in the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and He sent His Son to be the propitiation of our, for our sins. In other words, He took all of our sins upon Him so that you and I can be in relationship with Him. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And what did He do? He did this so that we can be reconciled with Him. So that we can be in relationship with Him. And our Father has a heart that is filled with love, with grace, and with peace. That is what is in His heart. A heart that has, has an abundance of pardon of righteousness and of salvation for each one of us. And when we understand this, we will understand the true meaning of 1 Corinthians 40, uh, 13 verse 7. And it says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And that is the heart of Abba Father. That is the heart that He has towards you and I. That describes the seeking heart of God. And therefore, you and I also need to have a seeking heart. And above all things, we need to seek our Father's heart. We need to seek Him first. Joshua 22 verse 5 says this. It says, But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses the servant of the Lord charged you. Now, now I want you to listen carefully. Because there's progression in this whole process. And he tells us what is expected from us. And listen what the next thing is. He says, what are these things? He says, he's given you the commandment. He's given you the law. And this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do to keep this. To love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways. To love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways. And then he says, and to keep His commandments. And to cleave unto Him. This is an amazing word, this word cleave, to cleave unto Him. It means to become one with Him. When Yeshua is praying to our Father, He says, Father, let us, let we be one, let they be one with us as I am one with you. But let them be one with one another as we are one with, uh, as I am one with you. And there's a, there's a oneness that has to happen. There's this cleaving process that takes place. And, and it's quite interesting you know, it, it, it is the same word that is used when it says, and, a, and a, a, a husband or a man shall leave his mother and his father, and he shall cleave to his wife. And, and sometimes we don't understand this word cleave. Because we think this word cleave means, it's, it's like, you know, glue. We need to be stuck to one another. Some people use prit, other uses, people use bostic. Some guys use super glue. But, but that's what we think it is. But it's a wrong idea. It's not about the glue. That's not what this cleave means. It is when you take eggs and you put them in a bowl and you have the white and you have the yolk and you take a whisk and you whisk them together. They can never, ever be separated again. That's what this word means. To cleave unto Him. 
and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. So there are a couple of things that are being said to us about the seeking heart of Abba Father. And not only was, was, must we believe and love, but we must also obey His word and walk in the way that Abba Father has pointed out for us. And this way is the way of worship. It is how we live our lives. It is how we honor Him. How we respond to Him. We need to keep His commandment because knowing His heart is also knowing and doing His will for us. His commandments are the description of His will for our lives. And that is why Yeshua said to us in John 14 verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. It is very simple. Love comes first, and then we are obedient to Him. You see, we must cleave to Him and serve Him. And therefore, we have to follow Him closely. We need to follow Him so closely that nothing or nobody else can come between you and Abba Father. And I wonder if we actually do this. I wonder if we are this close to Abba Father, because I can tell you what, I've listened to people, but when the next best thing comes up, they'd rather go there than cleave to Abba Father or do the things of Abba Father. You see, we have to serve Him with a passion and with a commitment and do the work that Yeshua has commanded us to do. And this we must do with all our heart and soul, by giving up our, our own selfishness and giving it up as an offer to Abba Father. Our thoughts, our understanding, our judgment, our will, our desires must be offered up to serve Him and be tuned into His heart and in tuned into His will and tuned into His Word. So our whole life must be tuned into the heart of Abba Father. And then the other thing that Abba Father has is He has a sacrificial heart. A sacrificial heart. And we see it in the covenant that Abba Father has with, with Ab Abraham. And when Abba Father alone accepted the responsibility for the covenant that he made with Abraham. And, and the word says to us, you can go and read it in Genesis 15. And the word says, and he made a a Abraham to fall into a deep sleep. And then it says, and the fire of God passed between the sacrificial or the sacrificed animals. What is that all about? Let me tell you how this works. So when somebody went into a covenant with somebody else, and we, we call it to cut a covenant. Why to cut a covenant? You see, in order for a covenant to be relevant, there has to be blood. And that's why we are in a covenant with Yeshua, because He shed His blood for you and I. That's why we can be in a covenant with Him. And what the people used to do is if, if they go into a covenant with one another, they would take animals and they would cut the animals in half and they would lay the carcasses like opposite one another, so a, a, a small distance apart. And what they would then do is they would walk amongst the, the carcasses. And, and they normally did this in a figure eight. Because the, the number eight in the Bible need, means it's a new beginning. So the moment we enter into a covenant, we start a new beginning together. In this covenant. And that's why a marriage is a covenant. You cannot go on just doing your own thing, each one of you. You are in a new beginning. So what they used to do is they would put these two animal carcasses around. Then they would walk through these carcasses in a figure of eight. And what that said is, if the one, the one who breaks the conditions for this covenant, the other person can do the same with him that we've just done with the animals lying down here. 
And what does Abba Father do with Abram? He says to Abram, Abram, I'm in a covenant with you. I'm going to make you a strong and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. And he asked Abraham, he says to him, I want you to, to get these animals. I want you to sacrifice these animals. So the animals was lying on the ground. And then Abba Father lets Ab Abraham fall into a deep sleep. Abraham never passed through the animals. You see, God took the full responsibility of that covenant upon himself. That is a sacrificial God. And how many times did Israel not turn their backs on God? But because of his sacrificial covenant with Abraham, he always showed mercy to them, and he never, ever removed his covenant from Israel. Never. And he will never. Because the word says to us that he will restore Israel to the glory that he called them to. See, but the biggest sign of his sacrificial heart and love is seen when John writes in John 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever or whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have eternal and everlasting life. And the importance here is that it is not only a sacrificial heart, but it is also a giving heart. Listen carefully. It's a sacrificial heart, but through the sacrifices that He makes for us, He also gives to us. So He's got this sacrificial giving heart of Abba Father. And He sacrifices Himself on our behalf so that you and I can have eternal life. And we see the sacrificial love of our Father towards us described in Isaiah 52. So it wasn't something that He came up with now. It was already said in the Old Testament. We see it in Isaiah 52. We see it in Isaiah 53. We see it in Psalm 22. In fact, if we look at the entire Old Testament, it is a description of the sacrificial heart of Abba Father towards us as human beings. And Paul describes it as follows in Romans 5, verse 8. He says, But God commends His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this is an important thing to see here. And what this means is, that which was in His heart manifested in the demonstration of His sacrifice on the cross for you and I. You see, His sacrifice was unconditional. He died for the sins of the world. And this was not after he said, okay, guys, get rid of your sin and, and then, you know, we can be in relationship. No, he did this while we were still sinners. And he's doing it today for you and I while we are still sinners. And so many times I hear people say, oh, no, I can't do any work for God because there's still some sin in my life. You've got the wrong idea of who God is and what he's done for you. And you've got the wrong idea about his sacrificial heart. All he wants you to do is to start doing his, word, his work. He will lead you in that. He will cleanse you in that. He will make sure that you walk a, a, a path of holiness and of righteousness. But if you had to wait until you are without sin before you start working for Abba Father, you will never do a single thing. Because none of us are without sin. And that's what John tells us as well. None of us are without sin. If we think we are without sin, we are liars. But you see, God can use you just as you are because He sacrificed Himself for us before we confessed our sins. He gave us a gift. But you see, you have to accept this gift to experience the joy of His salvation. 
And the, and, the, and the condition of our salvation is that we need to appropriate the sacrifice that was made for us. You've got to make it your own. And that is what John 3.16 says. It is there for every single person. But you can only get the benefit from it when you believe. It is like when somebody gives you a gift and it's in a package and you're too afraid to open the package because you don't want to spoil the gift. You'll never have the blessing of that gift because it will stay in that package for its entirety. You have to open it. You have to make it yours to experience the blessing that comes with the gift that our Father has given to us. And that is what that word appropriate means. And because of the sacrifice that He has made for us, it is important that we also develop a heart of sacrifice. One, uh, in, in not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16. It's interesting, you should one day go and read all the chapters in the Bible, but the, uh, chapter 3 verse 16, you'll, you'll find an interesting thing happen. But in 1 John 3.16, uh, we read, I think I've just gone past it. It says, hereby perceive, we, uh, hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He says, I have a sacrificial heart, but I want you also to have a sacrificial heart. And Yeshua is the illustration of this love, and therefore He requires of us as His followers to sacrifice our own selfish pride and ambition so that we can serve one another through His perfect love. Luke 9 verse 23 to 24 says, And He said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And to take up your cross daily means that you've got to die to yourself. What happened when people saw somebody carrying a cross, they knew that they were going to die. And we've got the saying in Afrikaans specifically, my mom always used to say, Elke is it so Christ. Every home has his cross to bear. And then I'm asking myself, so who's going to die in that house now? Because we don't understand the implication of what is being said to us. Because if you take up your cross, you have to die to self. If you take up a cross, something or somebody has to die. And that is the sacrifice that you and I have to make. We've got to sacrifice our own selfish desires, our own selfishness. That is what's got to die. Do you know, there was a story um, during, during the Vietnam War. And there was a story that showed what brotherly sacrifice actually means. And it was quite interesting. There was a, a ship, one of the ships of the U.S. government. It was called the USS Pueblo. And this, this ship was captured by the North uh, Vietnamese. And there were, I think there were 86 um, crew members on the ship. But what they did is they took 13 of these crew members and they wanted to break these soldiers down and they wanted to destroy them, to destroy their spirits. So what they did is they took these 13 soldiers and they put them in a room on chairs. And they had to sit, each one had to, of them had to sit on a specific chair. And what then would happen is that um, to break them down, one of the enemy soldiers, uh, the Vietnamese soldiers, would walk in and then he would brutally beat the guy in the first chair. And all the other guys, all 12 of them, had to look at this and witness what they're doing to their, to their friend, to their mate, to their, to their fellow soldier. And then he would leave. And then a few hours later, he would walk back in, and he would beat this guy again. And then he would leave. And he would come back, and he would beat this guy again. And three times this happened. 
that, they, that the soldier came in and he beat the guy that was sitting in chair number one. And they realized that if it's the fourth time, this guy would probably die of his injuries. So what the men did is they started changing chairs. And each one of them took a chance to sit in chair number one. And every single one of them were beaten by the soldier. And they carried on to change chairs so that every single one of them took a beating. And the enemy eventually gave up because they could not defeat this kind of sacrificial brotherly love. And what are we sacrificing for our Father or for one another? Do we have a sacrificial heart? Same heart that our Father has? You see, our Father has a seeking heart and He has a sacrificial heart. And He has a heart that is love. And He wants you and I to develop that same kind of heart so that we can show Him here on earth, so that we can show to other people what it is to be a child of God. So that we can show His love to others. So what are the conditions of developing a heart after Abba Father? There are various ones, but, but what I want to do is I want to mention six of them to you. And, and Luke, Luke writes in the book of Acts, he writes in Acts 13 verse 22. He says, And when he had removed him, he raised up, to, uh, up unto them, that Saul, when he removed Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, listen to this, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Was David without sin? No, he wasn't. But you see, if you read the Psalms, you would see that David knew what it was to have a sacrificial heart. You would know what it, what it, what David, uh, or how David understood what it meant to have a seeking heart. And you would know that David knew what it was to have a loving heart. And that is what he wants us to do. So let's look at six of these things. The first one, to develop a loving heart. Um, is, is exactly that. It's, uh, or to develop the heart of God is to develop a loving heart. And John 13 verse 35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. Not only must we love God, we must love each other. The second thing that happens is, number two, we must develop a humble heart. In Micah 6 verse 8, we read, O man... He has declared to you what is good and what does Jehovah require of you but to do justice and to love um, and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. In 1 Peter 3 verse 8 it says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love and a tender heart and a humble mind. We must develop a humble heart. Number three, we must develop a heart of worship and a heart of praise. And this is probably one of the, the nicest descriptions in the Bible of having a, a heart of worship and praise. And we read this in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 23 to 29. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Show forth from day to day His salvation. Declare His glory among the heathen, His marvelous works among all nations. 
Can you see what is being written in Chronicles? It is exactly the same thing that Yeshua commanded us to do. Verse 25, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the, um, of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. He is the Creator. Verse 27, Glory and honor are in the presence. Strength and gladness are in His place. Give unto the Lord, you, you, uh, you kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Wow. And then there are some preachers that are saying these days that we, can, we need to ignore the Old Testament. And it's sad. Because you know what this amazing thing is about the Old Testament is that Yeshua never quoted anything out of Himself. Well, He did because He is the Word of God. But every word that came out of His mouth came out of Abba Father's Torah, His, his law, if we, we call it the law, the instructions of God, out of, out of, um, and, and mostly out of the book of Deuteronomy. He never spoke out of Himself. But he spoke the words of God. Number four, we must develop a devoted heart. It is so important that we have a heart that is devoted to our Father. But not only to our Father, if we have a heart that is devoted to our Father, we also need a heart that is devoted to each other, to our, to, to, uh, amongst uh, us as, as brothers and children of God. Psalm 86 verse 11 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. And Psalm 23, 6, we all know this. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And listen to this. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Devotion to Abba Father is not a Sunday thing. It is an everyday thing. It is an always thing for the rest of your life. Number five, we must develop an obedient heart. In Psalm 119 verse 34 says, Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yes, I shall observe it with my whole heart. And therefore Yeshua said to us, we read that just now, If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14 verse 15. And number six, we must re develop a repentant heart. In 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, this is one of my other favorite scriptures, it says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. And it is so amazing that this word, um, their land, the, the word land there is the word in Hebrew, it's the word eretz. And the word eretz does not only mean the land, it also means the people of the land. So what it says there, if I, want to, if I read it again with that in mind, is if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land and I will heal the people of the land. Healing comes through obedience and repentance. James writes, 
He says, confess one another your sins, or your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you can be healed. Confession, repentance, if we do that, we get to a place of healing. That's what the Word teaches us. And that's the heart of God, that you and I will be healed. In 2 Peter 3 verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. It's so amazing. Our Father's heart is that none of us should perish, should end up where Satan is going. He wants all of us to be saved. And he says, all you have to do is to repent. Stop with your wicked ways. Be in relationship with me because I want to be in relationship with you. You see, to know our Father is to know His heart. And when we know His heart, we will have the desire to align our hearts with His heart. And when we align our hearts with His heart, we will develop a heart for one another. And that is why Yeshua said to us in Mark 12, verse 30 to 31, He says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And just to give you an indication where this comes from, the first section that he says there, part one, love your God, that is from Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. And the second part, um, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you can go and read that in Leviticus 19 verse 18, probably one of the most hated um, um, chapters in the Bible. You see, because if we don't understand our Father and we don't understand His instruction, we will hate what He says to us. We will go against His Word. But in that same chapter, where He says to us that we cannot worship idols, we cannot worship foreign gods, where He says, I don't want you to have tattoos on your body, same, same chapter He says, you must love your neighbor as yourself and we must love one another. We must build a sacrificial heart. And when we love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength, and we love our neighbors in a similar way and we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, then everything else will just fall into place. Then it will be easy, easy to keep His commandments. Because we would never ever want anything to happen to our neighbor. We would never ever want anything bad to happen to them. We would never do anything bad to them. We would never say anything bad to them. But I wonder how many of us gets that right. I wonder how many of us are developing the heart of God so that we can show to our fellow men what love and sacrifice truly means. My question to you this morning is, where are you in this? Where's your heart in all of this? We're going to sing a song. It's an old song. It was redone by Louis Britz. It's called Gottes Liefde. It is my most favorite worship song. 
because that is who he is. And if he didn't have love for me, I wouldn't be standing here this morning. I actually don't know where I would have been if it wasn't for his love that he had towards me. And therefore, the only thing that I can do is to show his love to other people. And do I fail? Yes, sometimes I fail. But you know, the Holy Spirit is so amazing. He said, when we fail, He reminds us. He says, is that what you did there? Those words that came of your mouth, that wasn't from me. And then we can repent. We can ask for forgiveness. And we can continue to show God's love to everybody else. May you experience that. May you understand the heart of God. And may you get to know Him for who He is. How much He loves you and how much He sacrificed for you. And you know what? It's not because you asked for it. It's because He wanted to do it for you. That's His heart. That is the heart of Abba Father. And as I said, you know, sometimes we've got to sacrifice something. And God still wants sacrifices from us. You can go and read Romans 8. And He still wants us to sacrifice. And one of the things that we're going to witness this morning is that there are a couple of people that wants to sacrifice something this morning. They want to sacrifice the old them. And we've prepared a burial for them this morning. Because I think we don't understand what baptism is all about. It's a burial. And we've prepared a special burial for them. I, I forgot to warm up the water from last night, so sorry for you. But I'm also going to stand in the cold water. I tried to eat it up a little bit this morning, but it doesn't matter. When you die, you don't worry about how cold or warm it is. You see, so today, there are a couple of people who are going to sacrifice their old lives. And we're going to bury the old person so that the new person can be resurrected in the love of Yeshua. And then they can stand up out of that grave, out of that watery grave, as new people worshiping God, understanding His heart, and wanting and desiring to be in a relationship with our Father. Jovan and Elisa, I want you to come and stand here in front quickly. If there's any one of you here this morning that desires to be baptized, don't worry if you didn't bring clothes. We'll sort you out. And if you didn't bring a towel, think we can help you with that as well. And don't sit there and say, oh, you know, I forgot my clothes at home. Oh, you know, why didn't they tell me? Why didn't they send out an email? No. If you have the desire in your heart to be baptized this morning, please come out. Don't wait. Do it now. Do it now. We've got some, some of the ladies and some of the guys that will be able to help you and sort you out with something so that you might, could still have some dry clothes to go home with. It is such an amazing thing to declare our desire to follow Yeshua.
I want you to, the two of you to stand a little bit closer to me. Come closer. Come closer. And, and you can choose if you want to do this in Afrikaans or English. I don't mind. I'm sure they don't mind. And, and if you don't want to, it's also okay. But, but I want you to, to just declare why you feel that you need to be baptized this morning. Thank you. Amen. Today it is my great day. I want to thank you all of you in this place. The reason I want to be baptized today, I want to be the new one from Christ. Amen. I want Amen. to be the new one from Christ. I want to serve my Lord with all of my heart. Amen. 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 So um, we're just going to get dressed. As I said, if there's anybody else that wants to be baptized, you're welcome to, to come to the front. We'll gladly baptize you. And while we are going to get dressed, we're going to worship. And the first song that we're going to worship is Gottes Liefde. And I will hear you listen to the words that are sung. And it says, Gottes Liefde, you are heart. And I hope your heart is for en aanbidding tot Abba Vader. En ek hoop jou hart juig ook vir dit wat ons hier gaan doen vanmorgen. En dit wat ons gaan bring. So, um, Jovan, ek en jy gaan daardier. Um, ek wil gaan gevraag, sê gaan gevraag wees waar sy kan aantrek. Um, en dan krijg ek julle hiervoor. So, so, so draai julle klaar aangetrek is, kom dadelijk voor jy terug voor en toe. Ek en jy gaan in die klein kamerkie aantrek. Sommer vroeg.